Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. What a joy to be in the presence of God and worshiping God. What one? How many of you just enjoyed singing holy, holy, holy? You know, that word is becoming one of my favorite words in the Bible, kadosh. Means holy. God is above everything else. Uh, nations will come, nations will go, God will remain. Amen. Governments will come, governments will go, God will remain. Hallelujah. Kingdoms will rise, kingdoms will fall, God will remain. Amen. He will be seated high and exalted before. He will be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Over everything. We praise God. It's an honor to be here again this Sunday morning. Worshipping God together with my dear family here in the spiritual house of God at WACC. Uh, I have a, a special word again. If you would turn your Bibles with me to the book of Exodus. And let us get right into it. Exodus and chapter 3. And we are going to start looking at a very precious verse. Some of you may have seen it. Some of you may not have. Exodus chapter 3 and we are looking at verse 10. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 10. Alright, are you ready? Alright, let's go look at it. The first part, it goes like this. Therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh. Alright, are you ready for this? Therefore, God is telling Moses, therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh. (laughs) For many people, when we hear the word of God, we say, God, send me to the land of blessing Send me to prosperity. Send me to privileges. Send me to... And many, many, many leaders around the world, they they thrive ministries by preaching about prosperity and all of that, which is fine. God is a good God, is a good father. He wants to prosper his children. But how many of you heard the call of God speaking to somebody? Come now and I will send you to Pharaoh. (laughs) That's not something we want to hear. God send me to Pharaoh. (laughs) How many would pray that prayer? Send me to Pharaoh, Lord. <laughs> you know, Pharaoh is a difficult place. Pharaoh is not a place where anybody wants to be. It was a different, difficult reign, a difficult rule. An iron arm, but Tichi tormented and afflicted the people of Israel. And God is literally speaking, verse 9, it, you know, literally, uh, you know, God is speaking to Moses. He look at verse, and I want you to see from verse 7 onwards, literally, he's telling him, and the Lord said, God is telling Moses, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard, given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hevites and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh. Before you ever see a prophetic word come to pass, the prophetic word that was spoken over Israel was that I'm going to lead them into a land of milk and honey. 
I got a promise for them. I got a plan for them. I got a blessing that I'm planning. There's a prophetic word. There's a prophecy. There's an intention of God. But before that, God is saying, but Moses, you've got to meet Pharaoh if Israel has got to see the promised land. Hallelujah. Somebody has to go and meet up with the challenges and and the difficulties before a nation can come to a place of living in the land of milk and honey. Hallelujah. As we go back a bit, with this prophetic word, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh. An invitation made to Moses, come, come and I will send you on a difficult mission. I will send you on a mission that you're really not going to enjoy until you see the final fruit of it. Going back a few chapters, a couple of chapters into Genesis and the last part, chapter 49 and chapter 50. In Genesis and chapter 49, we see the portion where Jacob is blessing his children. And prophesying over each of the children. And telling the children, this is what's God's plan for you. And this is God's plan for you. And this is God's plan for every one of the children. Jacob is blessing. And the end of chapter 49, the Bible literally says in verse 33, when Jacob finished charging his sons, he drew his feet into the bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. It was an end of an era. Hallelujah. It was an end of an era where Jacob, he was instructing all his children. This is what's going to happen with you. This is what's going to happen with you. You know, this is what's going to happen with you. Literally speaks and prophesies and blesses them. And after all the blessing he gives them, the Bible says Jacob finished charging his sons, which means finish giving responsibility to his sons. Knowing that his life was coming to an end, he drew his feet to the bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. And verse 1 of chapter 50 says, Then Joseph fell on his father's face, and wept over him and kissed him. You can just see a very emotional scene there. Jacob has just died. And they have so far been saying, The God of our father Abraham, the God of our father Isaac, and the God of our father Jacob. And now this, 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 these three names, Jacob has come. Now whose God is he going to be? The God of our father who after this? And I want to tell you the God of our father you. Hallelujah. God wants your name now to come in that genealogy. He wants your name to come in that spiritual legacy. How long will we keep our eyes on the Abrahams and the Isaacs and the Jacobs. When God has seen a generation that is coming after that. Hallelujah. God's, God, Abraham has run a season, Isaac has run a season, Jacob has run a season. But God, while jo- Joseph is falling on his father's face and crying, and Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him, and he's weeping and he's, he's crying and he's sad. Oh, Jacob has died, everything is going to end with this, I don't know what the future is. While this is going on, God has already seen A prophetic generation coming up in Moses. Hallelujah. I want to tell you something today. While you are weeping the loss of something in your life, God has already seen generations, four, five, six generations after you. While you are saying, God, can you use me? Is there anything in my life? I don't know whether God can use me. God is saying, five, six generations from now, you just watch what I'm going to do through your life. Hallelujah. 
Speak it, prophesy it, because that is the will of God. God has seen far beyond. Hallelujah. Well, Abraham was coming out of the land of the Ur of the Chaldeans. Little did he know from his loins was going to come the Messiah. Hallelujah. When Isaac was just, you know, wondering what is going to be his future when there was a famine, when Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had a famine, little did they know that God was already preserving them for a coming move of God in the generations. Hallelujah. You may be living today in your famine, but I'm here to tell you there is a generation God has planned after you. Hallelujah. You may say, God, is there anything with my life? Can you use me? I come from a background. I'm not really sure. In chapter 50, Joseph begins to gather his people. And Joseph says in chapter 50 of Genesis and, and verse 19 and 19 or 20, uh, 24 onwards, and Joseph said to his brothers, you can just imagine one chapter after another, one great man of God after another great man of God is dying. And when great men of God die or they move or things like this happen, people have a question in their mind, what next? I want you to know before these great men of God were born, God had planned about a coming generation. Hallelujah. Before Abraham was, Jesus said, I am. Hallelujah. Before Abraham was, which means before Abraham planned his life, Jesus said, I was there at that time. After Abraham is dead and gone, Jesus is saying, I'm still there at that time. God has, is the Alpha and God is the Omega. Before we ever planned anything in our life, God has planned it. After you're long gone, God will have still have planned things for your life. Hallelujah. And for your generations. Amen. So Joseph is now telling, and Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely take care of you. You see, that's the beautiful thing about God. If God begins something, God will take care of it. Can I hear an amen? If God starts something, God will take care of it. Did God begin your life? Did God begin your life? Was it, or was it your father and mother who planned it? The Bible says the children are not born because of parents' plan. The children are born because God is sending a generation specifically at that time, at that season to be born at that time. Hallelujah. That's why children are planned. That's why many people say, oh, I don't know. This child was an accident. There are no accidents. Hallelujah. We are all plans of God. Amen. Somebody's accident was God's intention. Amen. Said, look at somebody and say, I'm at the right time. Hallelujah. Amen. We are born at the right time, at the right place, in the right season of God. Hallelujah. This is what God wants you to know. So Joseph is now telling his brothers, I'm about to die. So Jacob about to die, and now Joseph about to die. But God will surely care of you. Now you can just imagine this scenario. I want you to just imagine this scenario. When Joseph was dying, the brothers had a relationship with the father. And so they looked to their father who was old in age and they were still shepherds. But now the scenario had changed. By the time Joseph was about to die, the brothers and his families... They had all and their generations had lived under a golden age of a golden, their brother being the ruler of Egypt. In fact, he took care of everything, including everything Pharaoh owned. He was next only to Pharaoh. You know what it feels like to be the brother of somebody who's next to Pharaoh? And now Pharaoh is old and gone and Joseph is taking care of everything. It's at this time when Joseph is dying. Joseph is literally saying, To his brothers, which means when he was dying, some of his brothers were still there. Or when he was dying, some of his brothers next generation, maybe it was figuratively being spoken to some. But Joseph was younger among them. And he says, I am about to die, but God will surely take care of you. Are you listening to me? Joseph is saying, I am about to die. I'm going to be removed from your midst, but God has got a plan for you. 
He will take care of you and bring you up from this land. Literally prophesying the next move of God over the people. He's literally telling them, you know, I, I'm about to die, but surely God will take care. He will bring you up from the land which is promised as an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from you. He's already making plans. He's saying, Jacob died. I'm not going to die, but don't leave my bones behind because we are designed for promised land. Hallelujah. He constantly kept telling them, don't cry about things here on earth. In God's seasons and God's plans, we were just singing that song, beautiful. What a beautiful song. In every season, God is faithful. How many sang that with all your heart? Amen. You know, I declared that with my heart. I was thinking in my heart and saying, God is faithful in every season. And he was literally saying, in your next season, you will see, if you keep your eyes on God, you will see the faithfulness of God. If you keep your eyes on man, man will let you down. But if you keep your eyes on God, God will lift you up. Hallelujah. God has got a plan for you and for your generations. As a church, God has got a plan for us as a church. You know, in our lives, God is constantly already seeing the next thing that God has for us. When all this is going on and Joseph is dying and dead and now the generations are coming, the children are going on. Suddenly it has just positioned itself for Exodus in chapter 1. And suddenly in Exodus in chapter 1 they move into this new scenario. This whole storyline about Exodus begins. When the Bible says that the number of the children of Israel begin to multiply. And now another Pharaoh came who did not know Joseph. Which means the scenario changed. Scene changed. Conditions in the land changed. All that changed. And Pharaoh decided to become hard upon the people of Israel. Because they did not honor the leader who had brought, delivered them from the great famine. They did not honor the God through whose child, the son of, a child of God, Joseph, through whom God had delivered all of Egypt. The next Pharaoh forgot. The blessings that the people of Israel were to the whole land. And they started persecuting them. And he gave an instruction. You know the rule he gave. He said, he tells the midwives, I want you to kill all the male children. And he says in, in Exodus in chapter 1. And the Bible says that, that the more and more he was, the people of Israel were afflicted. Pharaoh started getting frightened of the increasing number of believers in the land. Amen. He started getting frightened of the increasing number of people of Israel in the land. And that's what happens to people who don't know the Lord. They, 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 they want to hold on to power and that's what Pharaoh was doing. He wants to hold on to power. And the only way of doing it is by putting the people down. Forgetting what they had done for their land and for their people. And so Pharaoh begins to get afraid and he tells the midwives, I want you to kill all the children. That every Hebrew woman that gives birth to a son, he must be killed. And, but the Bible says in verse 17, I want you to look at verse 17, Exodus 1, 17. But the midwives, what? What did they do? But the midwives, what? They feared the Lord, the Bible says. So here are some midwives standing up against the pharaohs of the land. You know, many times we don't understand. God not only uses mighty Moseses, God begins with mighty midwives. Amen. He starts with some insignificant people doing insignificant things to actually bring about the deliverer into the land. So if you are just somebody saying, I don't know what, I'm not a Moses, I'm not a great preacher, I'm not a Joseph, I'm not a, I'm not a Peter, I'm not any of that. If you are a midwife that fears the Lord, God's hand will be upon your life. Amen. If you would just, you know what's a midwife's job? Is to bring about the birth of the deliverer. 
And the midwives refused to kill the boys. Why? Because they feared the Lord. If the only reason we would obey God is because we fear God. Uh, obey the Lord and, and, and disobey people that command us to disobey the word of God is because of the fear of the Lord. Now look what happens. The midwives feared the Lord and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded us. But they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. And they, were weak, and they asked them, why have you done these things? And let the boys live. And the midwife said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not as Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and they give birth before the midwife can get to them. You can just imagine, like these guys are railing. They give birth before we can even reach there. The babies are coming. And it came about, look, look what it says in verse 20. So God was what? Help me. God was good to the midwives. Are you listening to me? What does it say? God was Good to the midwives. What did the rest of it say? And the people multiplied and became very mighty. Now listen to me carefully. The reason the people multiplied and became mighty. The reason the church multiplied and became mighty was not because of Moses. was because some midwives stood right there and served God. Hallelujah. The church will grow if there are people that fear the Lord. That will serve God with a passion. The church will continue to grow. Amen. As long as there is a fear of God, the church of the living God will continue to grow. Hallelujah. Churches have not died because of, you know, because of some other things. Churches have died out because people stopped fearing the Lord. That's the reason why people, why nations that fear, don't fear the Lord anymore. Those nations backslide. The churches that don't fear the Lord anymore, the backslide. What do we protect and preserve? The fear of the Lord. And the midwives, help me with that. But the midwife, verse 20. So God was what? Good to the midwives. Why was he good to the midwives? Because they feared the Lord. Do you get the connection? How many of you want God's blessing and prosperity and anointing upon your lives? Amen. Fear the Lord. That's the key. And look what it says. You see, when they feared the Lord, look what God does for them. Read the rest of the verse. So God was good to the midwives, and what? And the people multiplied and became very mighty. Which means the church grew, the the numbers grew, and they became mighty. Look at verse 21. And it came to pass, because the midwives what? Specifically, because the midwives feared God, what did God do? And He established Households for them. Are you listening to me? They got established in the land not because of their smart financial planning. They didn't get established in the land because they bought land and they say, oh, uh, you, know, you know, your fixed deposits will depreciate. You know, inflation will eat up your money and all of those things. Invest into land. It's a great thing to invest in land. No problem. Invest into this, invest in that. But your generations are not blessed because of your smart financial planning. Your generations are blessed because you fear the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. You know why? Smart financial planning can save some money for another generation. But what if you raise up a generation that don't fear the Lord and live like fools? All your financial planning will be handed into the hands of fools. Amen. That's why the Bible says, a fool says in his heart there is no God. Great financial planning, great education, great plans, sent them to the best universities, and they come out as fools. What do you mean? I mean they come out as people that don't fear God. So what have we done? Spent money to, to, to raise people to have knowledge that Bible calls them as fools. But the Bible says, but the fear of the Lord is the 
beginning of wisdom. Which means the best thing you can ever give your children is to teach them to fear the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All their generations will be blessed. Hallelujah. Raise your hands and say, my generations will fear the Lord. My generations will fear the Lord. If you walk in the fear of God and you teach your children to walk in the fear of God, then the generations will be blessed. But a fool says in his heart there is no God. So, literally I want you to know, it does not say, it does not say that the generations of mighty men will will be blessed and prosperous. Why? Because God is not only in the business of blessing mighty men. God is in the business of making people that fear of God, people to be called, they are the mighty men and women of God. I want you to know something. When we get to heaven, there are going to be a lot of famous people there. Amen? There are going to be a lot of famous people there. But you won't be surprised that many of them that are famous on earth today in the church will not be famous in heaven. Heaven's fame is a very different story altogether. Those that sing holy and go out there and live holy. That fear the Lord with such a passion. And say, God, I want to spend the rest of my life serving you. I know that my generations have called upon you. How many of you, show, show of hands, how many of you are saying, you are, when well, you can look back and say, there's been a generation of fathers and mothers that have prayed for you. A generation. Just look at these hands. The number of people. Fathers and mothers, you, which means, which means God did not plan your blessing right now. Somebody has been praying, Lord, let these children rise up in the fear of the Lord. Lord, let these children become mighty men and women of God. Hallelujah. We are people that are results of generations that have feared the Lord. That have prayed for us. That have looked to God. And it came about because the midwives feared God. That he established households for them. And I want you to know our household shall be blessed. Say it after me. My household shall be blessed. My generation shall be blessed. They will walk in the fear of the Lord. They will give and not borrow. They will have plenty to lend to others. They will have all sufficiency. For every good work. But before that, in everything, they will honor the Lord. Amen. You decree that and declare that over your generation. And God will honor the generations. Amen. The fear of the Lord, that's where it all starts. And these midwives, before you could ever hear a story of a Moses, you know, before you ever hear a story of a Moses being used of God, somebody has to tell the story of a midwife that feared God. Hallelujah. If God's going to use any of you in your generation, there have been people that stood and prayed and upheld you. And then you come to chapter 2 in the story. See, God is a God of generations. He plans for generations. So when Joseph was dying, when Jacob died, Joseph was crying and saying, Oh, now what's going to happen? When, when Joseph was dying, people would have wondered what was going to happen. But before Abraham, God was already planning a Moses. Amen. We did not know how to plan a Moses. God knows how to plan a Moses. God has already seen anointing. God has seen the generations in you, in your generations, in your children. And that's what God was doing. Look what it says over here. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. And a woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a wicker basket and covered it with tar and pitch. And then she put the child into it and set it among the reeds and the banks of the Nile. And the sister stood at a distance, you know, to find out what would happen to him. Because by now they could not hide this baby anymore. 
Three months they hid him, fed him, and took care of him and all that. And she put out there. And the daughter of Pharaoh, listen to me. The daughter of Pharaoh came to bathe in the Nile. And her maidens walking alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid and brought to her. So here, God is literally positioning. Because the midwives feared the Lord. Because the prophecy that came through Joseph's mouth. That your generations will come out of Egypt. Because of the promise of God to Abraham. I want you to know. Because the men of God that have gone before you. Paid a price. Trusted God. Prophesied. Look, because of that. God is going to fulfill the prophecies over many of our lives. Hallelujah. God's going to do that. And the Bible says, when she opened it, when Pharaoh's sister opened it, she saw a child and behold, the baby was crying. She had pity on him. And this is one of the Hebrew children. And her sister said to Pharaoh, so now Moses' sister, she's there, says to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you, for the Hebrew woman, and she may nurse the child for you. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go ahead. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away, nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So that the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew. You could just imagine, you could just imagine when God has a plan for your life, sometimes God would raise you, you know, Egypt uh, as we know it would be called the world, you know. And, and if God wants to raise a man or woman of God, he has no problem whether to raise him out there, you know, in a fully, in a whole church setting, or God would raise him even among, in the world, and then bring him out for the, for the plan of God. Hallelujah. Literally growing up, just imagine the deliverer of Israel raised in the palace of the Pharaoh. Looking like an Egyptian, walking like an Egyptian. And when Moses, now it came about, so, and the woman, and the child grew, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses. Who would have imagined? You know, I, I, I'm just amazed when the people of Israel, the Jewish people are thinking, Oh, Father Moses. Oh, our prophet, the great Moses. Little do they know that some Pharaoh's sister named him. Amen. Some grandma, some grand uncle of yours who did not know the Lord will say, Your name shall be called. Something like that, you know. And you, you think in your heart, oh, what kind of name is that? But yet that has nothing to do with what God can do through your life. What name, where you're born, how you lived, how the early years of your life. What will make a difference with your life and generation will be how you fear the Lord. So I want to challenge you as a church. It's time for us to fear the Lord. When God is calling you, when God is raising up, when God's call is upon your life, don't stop fearing the Lord. Don't stop fearing the Lord. I want to charge the church. You know, when the Lord began to speak to us last year, around, uh, around, you know, towards the end of last year, God began to speak to us saying, I have a new assignment for you. And I was saying, Lord, how, what assignment? What do you want us to do? And what is this that you're bringing about? And, 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 and the Lord said, I want you to move and go into the Middle East and over there. I want you to plant to work in that place. So, so uh, as we have shared in the church in the past also, you know, myself and Pastor, we were wondering what will happen? What's the future? Well, what is it that you want? And there are fears and there are doubts and there are all questions all in heart. But when we begin to hear the voice of God, we know that, you know, God has already planned for the generations ahead. Amen. Before we ever thought this, as I look back, I, I think in my heart, how God has done this. And God literally prepared and Lord positioned. Look what God does. He, he, this Egyptian woman, they raised this, they raised this boy. Uh, the, um, Pharaoh's uh, daughter raises the boy this, uh, as an Egyptian. And now a time comes in his heart. The call of God is still burdening. He's living in Egypt. He's a prince of Egypt. But his burden is for the things of God. You know why that happens? Because of the generations that have feared God and prayed for you. That they have positioned themselves for you to be in the place that you are right now. Sometimes we may come to a place of affluence. 
and I hate it every time I see this. One of the greatest destroyers of people's passion for God is affluence. Just the fact that you're doing better than you've ever done before. I've seen more poor people passionately pursue God than rich people because the rich have become affluent. Now they have a name to protect. They got money to protect. They got to take decisions. They got people to keep happy because you need contacts. You know, if you need to do business, you need contacts. You need to keep everybody happy. Well, you got to have a little drink in here and there with them. Just And so what happens, affluence has destroyed more people because they did not prepare like Daniel to go up the road of affluence. You know, what you, what, what, there's a saying that goes like this, what you ignore at the bottom will destroy you when you reach the top. When you fool around with things at the bottom, because there's a call of God upon your life. Take heed of the call of God. Paul tells Timothy, take heed of the call of God upon your life. Take a hold of it. To know that God has called me. And to start living in such a way. And the fundamental is live how? Live in such a way that you fear the Lord. That that pastor didn't call you, God called you. Amen. The reason you're born is because God called you. The reason you and I are here because God has called us. And how can we live for anything else? How can we spend our life on anything else? Or you may dream dreams on the way, but I want to tell you every other dream, everything will will come to an end. But he who does the will of God shall abide forever. The world and its lust thereof shall perish. But he who does the will of God shall abide forever. So anyway, Moses, uh, you know, he kills an Egyptian. Pharaoh hears about it. And then Moses has to run away from there. He runs away from there. Exodus in chapter 2. The Bible says, and this matter reached Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, uh, you know, was going to kill Moses. And Moses ran away. And he comes to the land of Midian. And he sits down by a well. And now the priest of Midian has seven daughters. And you know the story how, how one of the daughters came. They were going to water the, the sheep. And some shepherds were coming to attack the sheep. Moses steps in the way. And he protects the son of Ruel, the daughter of Ruel, his father-in-law, Jethro, or Ruel. The different people have different names and that. And he comes, he protects them. And the woman goes back and says, you literally, today, listen, listen what she says. She says, today an Egyptian protected us. You know what that means? When he came out in the wilderness... He was still looking like an Egyptian, walking like an Egyptian. You know, some of us, when people look at us, they say, they don't look as holy as we are. It's okay. We don't need to look as holy as other people. As long as we fear the Lord. Hallelujah. The way we look does not matter. How we live matters. Amen. We can look all holy and all righteous and we can look all all dressed so self-righteous. But what God cares about is whether we fear the Lord inside our heart. Amen. That's what God's looking for. They looked at, he said, an Egyptian man saved me. Forty years before when, Egypt, when Moses was running away from Egypt, at that time, people looked at him and said, he looks like an Egyptian. But, you know, thank God for Pastor Ruel or Pastor Jethro who believed in this Egyptian. Amen. And, and pulled the Egyptian and he said, let me give you a daughter and let me give you a ministry. Amen. Some of you guys, you know, I, I, I've had the privilege of, you know, starting the work here and I've seen some of the people come into the church you came in like an Egyptian, trust me. You came in looking like one, talking like one, walking like one. Some of you guys still swore and some of you guys still, you know, all kinds of things. Uh, and uh, I remember, I remember one, one guy walked in the church uh, and I said, let's turn our Bibles to so-and-so. He said, let me Google it up. I don't, I don't know where to find it, you know, let me just Google it. Uh, and so people have come in and as I look back today over the years, how God has raised a generation of people that fear the Lord. Amen. Because someone says somewhere, thank God for the Pastor Ruels. And, and, and if I have been a Pastor Ruel in your life, 
I, wa- I will praise God the day I see you be a Moses out there in that land. I praise the day, I praise God the day. You know, some people come and say, Pastor, thank you so much for doing what you've done. No, no, don't thank me like that. Thank me by walking with God. Amen. You walk with God. You fear God. You raise your generation. You obey God. You walk in the love of God. That is the biggest thank you you could ever give me, your Pastor Han or any of the pastors that have been serving you with all, the, all your heart. That is the biggest thank you you could ever give. So what happens? Literally, they get married. 40 years go by. 40 years later, now Moses looks different. He's not looking like an Egyptian. He smells. He doesn't smell like an Egyptian because before it was the perfumes of Egypt. Now he's smelling like sheep. Before his wardrobe was branded, yeah, he wore only branded stuff and, you know, from the nations of the world. Now his wardrobe was sheep. (laughs) Before he was eating food from the nations of the world, now he's eating sheep. (laughs) You know, he's, so before he, he was planning to marry a beautiful Egyptian woman. Now he's married a shepherdess. And so, his, his heart is all, you know, everything in his mind can say, look, All I have is this, but I want you to know that is what has formed Moses for to be the greatest man that ever lived among the people of Israel until Jesus came. Or maybe until John the Baptist, as God would call it. So, when we see over here, Moses literally standing there, and he's seeing his entire life change in 40 years from prince to a shepherd. And when God is done with those 40 years, God says, Moses, what? I got work for you to do. I have seen the affliction of my people. Literally God picked up Moses and brought him up to a burning bush. And said, take your slippers off. Because the land on which you stand is holy ground. People of God, I think we need to fear God in such a way. When God speaks something to us, we have to have the, the fear of God. To take those slippers from under our heart off. The pride in which we stand. And we, we recognize we are not standing just in some church. We are not just standing in some plan for our life. We are standing on holy ground. We are standing in the fear of the Lord. That he says, take your sandals off. Because you are standing on holy ground. And then he says... I have seen the affliction of my people. I have heard their cry. I am concerned. Now Moses, you go. So Moses like, hey, cool man. Take it easy man. Uh, 40 years ago if you told me this, I think I had the strength for this. 40 years later, I don't think I had the strength for any of this stuff. You know, I'm growing old. And he says, I got wife, I got kids, I got family to look after, all of that. And God literally tells him, You know what? I have seen the affliction of my people. I've heard their cry and concern. Therefore, you go. Why does God send you? God sends you because God has heard others cry. But why are you sending me, Lord? Because your grandma and granda prayed, Lord, my generations will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody, when you were born, dedicated you. Somebody prayed over you and said, Lord, if they will live, Lord, they will spend the rest of their years serving you. Somebody cried out for you and said, Lord God, don't let them go out on the wrong way. Bring them back, Lord, when they are of age. Somebody is cried for you. I constantly tell my children, I tell them, hey, you guys go mess around, do what you want, but never forget and underestimate the power of a praying mother. I said, because mama is on your case, you guys are so done, you're so finished, you have no other way but to walk with God. 
Why? Because we'll be praying. Amen. There is power in a generation of parents that have prayed for us. Why is God calling you? Because there is a there is an anointing, there is a blessing of heaven upon your generation. You are part of God's blessed lineage. Hallelujah. You're not an ordinary person. Amen. Look at somebody and say, you're an ordinary person. Hallelujah. Tell somebody, generations have prayed for you. Amen. That's true. Generations have prayed for you. And I want you to know, if you're the first in your generation that has come, someone somewhere has prayed for you. Hallelujah. If nobody's prayed for you, some intercessors in the church, somewhere, in some unknown land, have wept for your nation and wept for your people and wept for you and said, Lord, raise up Moses in the land. You are here because somebody has paid a price. I've heard the affliction of my people. I have seen their cry. I'm concerned, Moses. You go. So suddenly Moses looks at him and says the famous line, Who are you? Uh, okay, okay, I know you want me to go, but who are you? And, and, and God says, I don't have time for all of this. So let me quickly tell you, you know, who, uh, uh, so before that, before he says, who are you? He said, Moses, uh, God actually asked him the first question. And Moses says, but, but, but Lord, who am I? I I'm a nobody. I don't know anything. All I, all I know is a little this and a little that. And many of you may have that question. Who's the, who am I? Who am I? And God is saying, I know you're a nobody. Don't waste time over that. I'll go with you. Amen. So don't waste time discussing with me who you are. Because you agree and I agree that you're a nobody. Since we both agree on that, let's start with, since you're a nobody, I will go with you. How about that? Imagine if you had an unfinished work somewhere and someone powerful or the president of the nation will say, don't worry, I'll go with you. Amen. How do you think that would go in that land? Amen. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He will have the final say in everything. And God of Israel is telling Moses, I know you're a nobody. I will go with you. Then Moses looks at him, but who are you? I don't know who you are. And God tells him, I am that I am, which means I will be everything that I said I will be. I will be a healer, I'll be a deliverer, I'll be a God that will answer your prayer, I'll be a God that will stand by you, I will go with you. And then Moses says, knowing that the first two excuses didn't work, Moses looks at him and in Exodus 4.1 and he says, and Moses answered and said, what if they won't believe me? What if they won't believe me? See the problem is that you don't believe God. The moment you start believing God, you will see that people will start believing you where God sends you. They don't believe you because of what you proclaim. They believe you because of the power of God that will work in their hearts. Amen. We think it's our convincing power that people turn to God. People turn to God because God turns their heart to turn to God. That we, Our job is to proclaim. It is God's job to change their heart. Amen. That's why the Bible says go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Bible doesn't say go into all the world and make sure everybody's heart is turned to God. Bible says go into all the world, proclaim, declare. Tell people about Jesus Christ. So Moses was saying, what if they won't believe us? And God says, take the staff, throw it down because snake. He says, go, I'll do miracles for you. And then Moses goes on to say, but Lord, Lord, you know I'm not a speaker, I'm not a preacher. I don't know how to speak properly. I don't know how to preach properly. I don't know any of these things. And you know, actually, Moses was a bona fide liar at that point. Because if you read in Acts in chapter 7, Stephen says, and God raised Moses from among his people, a man mighty in word and in deed. So, the Bible says Moses was mighty in word. Moses is saying, Lord, you know, I'm a stammerer. I don't know how to speak and all that. I'm not eloquent. I'm not a preacher like him. Send him. Lord, bless me and send her. <laughs> yeah, that's why we pray. You know, 
when you know, when the Lord began to speak to our heart to go out there and plan pioneer a new work, I know there are some among you that are saying, Pastor, we are praying that you will come back. If you will stay here, I want you to know something. I'm praying that you will go. <laughs> and I want to see whose prayer is going to work. Amen. I'm praying that you will go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. A generation, a church that fears the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so Moses said, Lord, please, I have I've never been eloquent. Neither recently nor in the past. Which means I have not been a preacher now, nor I've been a preacher in the past. God is saying, no problem, I'll make you a preacher in the future. Yeah? It's like us saying, I've never been married. Neither now nor in the past. God saying, no problem, you can get married soon, tomorrow. Yeah, so it'll be a new beginning. You can have a first time. If you're saying, God, I've never been used by God, and neither in the past nor in the present, I want you to know God is saying, get ready for a future that God is going to use every one of you. Amen. God's got a plan for your life. And God wants to use you mightily. And God is saying, get ready. Hallelujah. Come on, look at somebody and say, get ready. God's got a plan for your life. Amen. God's going to do that. God's going to do that in and through your life. <laughs> and then, and and... And, and, and God says, who made the dumb dumb or who made the blind see? Is it not I the Lord? Now then go and I, even I will be your mouthpiece and teach you what to say. But, but he said, Lord, please now send the message by whoever else you want. Please send the message by whoever else you want. God is just saying, I want you. And he's saying, listen to me. One of the most dangerous prayers. God, send the message through your second best. And the Bible says, and the anger of the Lord burnt against Moses. One of the worst ways, or one of the ways we can show our ingratitude to God is to stand up to his plan and say, send someone else. I think that is the biggest ingratitude we could ever show God. I tried it. I've always tried it. Whenever God tells me to go somewhere and start something else, I always start with send someone else. But thankfully, usually in 30 minutes of prayer, I know it's serious. <laughs> uh, for for about, about 30 minutes, I fight with God. And at the end of 30 minutes, I say, Lord, let's do this. If this is you, I fear you too much to disobey you. Why? Because there's a generational plan for Moses. Unless Moses goes, Egypt will, people will die in Egypt. And look back, 40 years later, God is telling Moses, I have heard, the affl- seen the affliction of my people. I've heard their cry and I'm concerned. Therefore, Moses, you go. The question is not whether there are other Moseses out there. The question is whether you are a Moses and God is telling you, I want you to go. And when you are saying, God, can you please some, send someone else who is your will? Someone else, whomever else you will. Anyone else, any second best. Don't live for the second best. Because the second best is only worthy of the anger of the Lord. Live for your first best. God's plan upon my life. This is whatever God you have for me, this is what I want. And then, after that, when Moses tells him, Lord, please send someone else. God says, Moses, I will send Aaron. Aaron will be like God. Aaron will go. He will speak. But you will also speak. I will send him for a season. But I will put words in your mouth. I will change you. I will use you. When God wants to use you as a generation, I want you to know, get ready changed through and through. Don't tell God about what your personality is. Tell God about what is possible with him. 
Amen. If you will tell God, if you will go before me, if you will stand with me, if you will send me, if you will speak through me, if you will anoint me, here I am, Lord, use me. If you and I ever think God will use a church or go use a people because of our ability, we're fools. That's why we must learn to pray. If you would pour your anointing upon me, if you will commission me, if you will send me, if you will anoint me, here I am, Lord. Amen. And part of the reason God raises up Joshua is because Moses has step out and get into the next thing that God is called him. God sends someone else. Let me close with this scripture. And then we are going to pray together. Verse 29, 30, 31 of chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4, verse 29, 30, 31. And Moses told Aaron. Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the sons of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which God had spoken to Moses. He then performed the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel... And that he had seen their affliction. They bowed low. And they worshipped God. The reason another generation began to believe God again. Bow low and worship. Was because a Moses was willing. To say here I am Lord. Send me. And I want you to know a whole generation is waiting. A whole generation is waiting for you in this land. A whole generation is waiting for some of you in some other lands. God's not asking us to just warm the pews and fill the churches. When we preach the gospel, churches will be filled. But God's also asking you, will you go? Or will you say, Lord, send someone else. Send anyone else you will. But don't send me. But I want you to know, if you're still looking like an Egyptian, smelling like an Egyptian, walking like an Egyptian, talking like an Egyptian, I want you to know somebody's prayed for you. God's not done with you. Amen. If you had a broken marriage, God's not done with you. If you had a messed up past, God's not done with you. If you're young people and you're messing up your life, God's not done with you. Amen. If you had, you know, situations in your life that the world has written you off, God is not done with you. Amen. If you have written yourself off, that's a great place to start. I think God's greatest challenge with us is that we refuse to write ourselves off. We, our solutions are greater than, you know, greater problem for God than God's problems. Amen. God's got a greater problem with our, pro- with our solutions than with our problems. And I believe you will submit your lives to God. God's going to do something exceedingly abundantly more than we ask or imagine. Amen. Let's pray together. Hallelujah. Father, we worship you. We worship you. We praise you. Father, even today as the prophetic word that came today, Exodus in chapter, 10, uh, chapter two, uh, uh, 2 and verse 10. Well, the Bible literally was decreeing and declaring over the people. Come on now and I will send you to Pharaoh. Come now and I will send you to Pharaoh. Hallelujah. Exodus 3.10 Come on now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Father, I pray right now, stir our hearts in such a way we will never settle for second best. Father, we desire the will of God. We will do the will of God. We will walk in the will of God. And I pray, Lord God, that we will fulfill the call of God upon our life and generation. We give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this sermon. 
For more sermons, please do visit us at wscc.in.